the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I'm joined here by somebody uh, that we talk about the world of professional wrestling with. This guy's starting to become a staple in the uh, professional wrestling realm of the new generation, especially on this show. I'm welcoming in uh, Husey again for the what third time now in the last two months. You're you're uh, a staple here. Third time, and I'm got a high hopes for this recording. You've caught me on a very good day. Uh, it's just been announced that on July 5th, live gigs can uh, start happening again. Two concerts have already been announced. Uh, one, Nile Rogers and Sheik, who I love. It's that 70s disco music. I can't get enough of it. Also, uh, Liam Gallagher is doing a show at a venue that's not even 30 minutes walk from my house. And all my friends are freaking out. There's at least 25 of us going so far. And on top of that, uh, later on today, in about 90 minutes, I would say, at the time of recording, uh, European Cup's on, the UEFA Cup, and uh, Scotland versus England, so having people over, we're going to be drinking, and I'm pre-drinking now on the show, got a nice pint, people have been drinking it anyway. Uh, it's a good day, and I was uh, always like to record with you, because the last two shows we've done before from my knowledge, have gotten uh, quite positive reviews. Yeah. No, absolutely. I got guys in the business that were uh, putting you over for some of your, uh, your your wrestling knowledge, especially the WrestleMania 9 episode that we did. Uh, when you can stump guys that have been around the wrestling world for quite a while, that's uh, that's always a nice feather in the cap. But I can also reveal I also have had a couple of uh, little drink skis today because I recorded with the Queen of Extreme, Francine, and we did a Think While You Drink episode. Yeah, and uh, Francine, no offense, please stop DMing me. I'm not interested. <laughs> I've already fucked you, and I'm not looking oh, Jesus. to settle down. <laughs> Only in your dreams, pal. That's all I could. Uh, that's all I could say. But we're gonna talk about uh, Psycho Sid and the uh, the WWF tenure during the new generation. Now, Psycho Sid, interesting character for this time because he's in and out. Uh, multiple times, which we all learned, you know, uh, quote, the softball, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Psycho Sid, a polarizing guy, literally kind of went from seemingly sh like a surprise return to being the top guy at one point. Uh, but what is it about Psycho Sid that uh, wants you to talk about him today on New Generation Declassified? Well, I'm going to start off by doing the thing that uh, you always hate to hear, but I think that Sid is, I would say, in the top five most underrated ever. Because while he wasn't great all the time, when he was good, it was so rewatchable. Like his matches with Sting, his match with Shawn Michaels, yep. matches, I should say, Bret Hart, etc. Where it's like, this is so fucking good. And plus, 
the thing I love about him is, and I know it's been a childhood mark, there's something so real about him. Because in real life, like I've interviewed him on my podcast, which is called It's Cheesy Hello, which happens to be available on iTunes and Spreaker. And so before you ask, Chad, yes, the video version is available on Hughie Entertainment on YouTube. Thank you for asking. I was. Uh, I interviewed Sid, and he's very, very intimidating. And uh, But he's also quite fascinating, and he's got so much in-ring stuff, behind-the-scenes drama uh, from all uh, uh, companies. He fucking tried to kill someone once. <laughs> uh, sadly, no, not Conrad Thompson, but Conrad Thompson's co-host. Only kidding, Conrad. Not really, though. Uh, the I, I just think that Sid's one of those guys that if I see it, like a documentary on him or an interview on him, I've got to watch. Yeah. No, Sid is – yeah, he's a very polarizing guy. Uh, John and I interviewed Sid – Maybe about three years ago, something like that. He was promoting some very odd, very obscure uh, charity that he was working with. Uh, but nonetheless, you're right. It's a very intimidating thing because it's almost like he's one of those guys where you don't know what he's going to say because we've always been kind of fed a narrative about Sid. You know, he doesn't really love the business. He doesn't really love this. He's not. He's not. He doesn't want a job. He doesn't want to, you know, do this and that. But he's got a lot to say. Yeah, And this time during this era, this new generation era, you know, the narrative was, oh, he leaves when he wants. Oh, he just goes and does something else. But when you talk to Sid, Sid was a smart guy when it comes to the business. And he only kind of did things that made sense for Sid, which is what you think a wrestler would do. The wrestler's out there to protect his own brand. And Sid kind of follows in that realm. So when you say he's intimidating and he's kind of the guy, you don't know what to say to him. What did you think about getting the chance to ask him some of these questions? Were you surprised by some of the answers he had for you? Uh, not really. I kind of see the problem with Sid is that he it, it's kind of like the rock and that his career is legendary, but it's not that long. So there's only certain topics you can ask without trying to get in the thing. But uh, the, the thing about asking Sid is that he, he is intimidating because beforehand he goes, he goes, now Adam, uh, we're doing this interview. It can't go past 40 minutes. Then he goes, do you understand? And it's like, oh, shit. It's like, oh, yes, yes. Maybe yeah, you could say that's 40 minutes, you know, in Ireland. It might be different than 40 minutes in uh, Tennessee, you know, or Arkansas, wherever the hell he was. Um, yeah, you're right. It's There is an intimidating presence to him. But, you know, I know Kevin Thorne, who legit was trained by Sid, and all the things that have always been said about him, oh, he leaves because he wants to play softball. Kevin Thorne says, I never saw him pick up a bat once. So why do people talk shit about him and that he didn't have dedication to the business when he really did? So the intimidation factor being what it is, do you think guys in wrestling can't get behind a guy like Sid because he could probably legit kill them if he wanted to? I think also it goes to the jealousy factor. Uh, when wrestling's dead in two years' time, uh, when you go back and look at it, Sid will be one of the most over guys ever. Uh, a lot of people talk about all oh, the Goldberg reaction. No, Goldberg got the Sid reaction. Like back in the WCW days, Sid would do these like ninety-minute squashes. He would walk in, he would choke, choke slam some jobber with one hand. Then he would easily power bomb the guy, and you just think this, this fuck wrestling's real, and this guy's real. Yeah, and Sid, who had obviously been in the WWF in 1992, 1991, you know, from SummerSlam to basically WrestleMania, 
we knew him as Sid Vicious or Sid Justice. He was Sid Vicious in WCW. Mm. Sid Justice was kind of uh, a force-fed character. You could tell he was fodder for Hulk Hogan. So when he comes back in the new generation era, it was kind of just like, oh, Sid's back. Not yeah. like, oh, this guy who we built up to be a main eventer three years ago is back. It's like, oh, yeah, he's just this innocuous bodyguard for Shawn Michaels. What do you remember about Sid's return in 1995? Well, just before we get to that, would you like some Sid Justice trivia? I would I would die for some Sid Justice trivia. As everyone knows, the original WrestleMania 8 main event plan was supposed to be Hogan versus Flair. Right. Uh, the card, so should I say two other rumored matches that I've heard was the original plan, was supposed to be uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage versus Jake the Snake in a cage match. Right. Which would have been excellent. Amazing. And uh, Sid versus The Undertaker. Right. Which, uh, ironically, I'm pretty sure if that did happen, Sid would have gone over and we never would have got the streak. So yeah. uh, there you go. Maybe Sid leaving helped make The Undertaker is what you do. But then, yeah. of course, his WCW run. Like, uh, uh, Feeney was talking about this the other day on Keeping 100. Like, Rick Rude was at his best in WCW in that 92, mm -hmm. isn't it? That 92, 94 era. Yep. Sid in those runs and that when he was up with Vader and they're going up against the Bulldog and Sting, that's all these amazing matches. And, and I think that that's one of the reasons why Sid's legacy, despite the controversial moments, like when he tried to stab Arn Anderson to death and when he deliberately tried to break uh, Brian Pillman's neck during a match, which was weird. I, I still can't help but uh, love the guy. But to answer your question that you asked me seven hours ago, uh, Sid returning in 95 in the new generation era. I remember it so well because it was during the Diesel versus Shawn Michaels feud. And I, and that, and I was still a child, Mark, there, man. Uh, and I thought, well, wrestling's real, obviously. Uh, Diesel's going to beat Shawn Michaels. He's bigger than him. And I remember even at the time going into WrestleMania 11, thinking this is a stupid match. Diesel's going to kill Shawn Michaels. Then Shawn Michaels brings back Sid as the fucking uh, the bodyguard gimmick who would walk around with a knife, ironically, which I think <laughs> was a reference to the attempted murder of Arn Anderson. Yes. Uh, but Sid brought back as a bodyguard was weird because it wasn't Sid's coming back as a wrestler. It was just Sid's the insurance policy for Shawn Michaels, which is the same way they brought in Diesel a few years earlier. But in that typical Vince McMahon WWF time, they didn't re they didn't recognize what people had done only a few years prior. They're a new character coming in. Mm. So Sid is a bodyguard. For me, it didn't really translate. It was just like, eh, I know who he is, but why is he a manager now? Why isn't he in the ring? Why isn't he an active competitor? And then out of the blue for th two months or whatever it was leading to WrestleMania, he was just in the corner of Shawn Michaels. Boom, out of the blue, the night after WrestleMania, he turns on Shawn Michaels, and now he's a wrestler, and now we're supposed to believe Sid's a main eventer. So it's just kind of weird booking by Vince with a guy who looks like Sid that should be a monster no matter what he does. Well, well, I've heard that what it was that when they uh, re-signed Sid, <clears throat> because he'd been out of pro wrestling for a, about a year, he hadn't been keeping up into like psycho Sid shape or Sid vicious shape. 
So they were giving him time to really hit the gym <clears throat> and rapidly, rapidly put on a lot of muscle. Uh, the, the the big problem, though, is that I remember his first feud. They went straight into Sid versus Diesel. And uh, very, very rarely are you going to have two giant wrestlers have a good match. It looks great on pay-per-view. I'm sorry, should I say it looks good on poster. But nine out of ten times, it stinks as shit. And their match at the first in your house stank of shit. And oh, terrible. Uh, weirdly, it didn't draw very well either. That show as a whole was not very good. The first in your house. And I remember it very, very well. We had one of those black boxes at the time where you got the whoa, free whoa, pay-per-view. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. No, I word. had WrestleMania 11 and the first in your house for free via the, uh, the cable company at the time. Are you trying and to it, say that black things refuse to pay? Well, I'm just saying it was a black box. So whether or not oh. I was going to pay for it eventually, that's up to uh, the uh, the law. But I'm triggered. Um, I said trigger. The match was not very good, and Diesel actually hurts his elbow in the match because uh, Sid power bombs him so stiff. Diesel kind of lands on his elbow, and it and it hurts the whole summer because then we wouldn't really see Diesel in singles competition until August, which. We don't want to talk about Diesel versus Mabel, but Sid as a whole, if you look at Sid, what do you think? You think main eventer, you think world champ, you think a guy who's going to be contending for the title, but it took a really long time for that to kind of happen. Do you think that's what kind of hurts Sid in the, you know, the generic fans mind they see Sid and they go, ah, he had a cup of coffee, whatever. We'll get to that. But in this time, 95, he wasn't really made to be a monster. He was just another one of the guys. I think one of the problems that Sid has, who I've interviewed, and you can hear it on iTunes and Spreaker, my podcast, it's usually hello, and video version, a huge entertainment on YouTube. I don't know why Chad keeps bringing that up. I, uh, I think that because of Sid's reputation of quitting and getting in trouble, like he quit WCW originally out of the blue, came to WWF, quit after some really stupid uh, reason because he's seen Vince argue with Hulk Hogan. Uh, and then the trouble in WCW. I think that the WWE were hesitant to uh, push him. But I have heard Pritchard say that Sid versus Diesel was originally planned for SummerSlam instead of In Your House. But for whatever reason, plans changed and they rushed it. Okay. And what do you think? You think that hurt Sid in the long run? Uh, I do because because uh, he did two jobs to Diesel at In Your House one. Uh, and in your house too, which right. was an improvement match, but it's still not exact. It, it's weird. It's like uh, I think the guys Kevin Nash and Sid Size know that if they hit you for real, they would really hurt you. So it's like watching a real match with a slow shutter speed, and they're they're moving so slowly, and it's so fake. Uh, of course, I didn't know that at the time, and it's just it's a horrible match, and that. Uh, uh, lumberjack match. The only really memorable thing about it from In Your House 2 is that all the click got into the ring at the same time at the end for no reason other than to get that one picture. And, <laughs> yeah. it, was, and it was kind of great, but of course you don't realize it until now. But that's not the only classic that Sid gave us in 1995. Uh, I think I could speak for Chad. I think I could speak for anyone listening. I think I could speak for uh, the the whole wrestling world ever. The, the greatest uh, pay-per-view of all time was clearly 
King of the Ring 1995 <laughs> with the, the greatest main event that there could ever be. The one that uh, the dream match that everybody still wishes they could watch, and that is, and I'm getting goosebumps saying it. Uh, Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Sid and Tatanka. Let's give it a give it a round of applause. Absolutely, I'm right there. I'm right there. What what a perfect bit of booking. Uh, the thing about that shit that annoys me is that. I get it's fake. I get you have plans, all that stuff. But if Diesel was hurt, how about instead of, you know, doing some sort of cheap way out, have him drop the title. And then he could win it back on a big house show or Raw or and Sid could have defended against Shawn Michaels or something like that. Uh, that shit, that pay-per-view, and it's so crazy when you go back and look at that uh, main event and the build to it. There was no build. Like, why the fuck is Diesel got a problem with Tatanka? Tatanka's just thrown in there because he feuded with Bam Bam like a year before. So now that Bam Bam's a babyface and he's a heel, they just kind of matched up. But what maybe could have even helped it was just that if Sid beat Diesel clean in the match, maybe that's, oh, wow, Sid's a now serious threat to Diesel, but they just have it as a babyface victory over the heels. And it went nowhere. And for it to main event, the show is the thing that I think killed it the most. I, I talked about this. It had to be about a month ago. They should have just done Jerry Lawler and Bret Hart in the Kiss My Foot match as the main event. Because yeah. the show was terrible because the main event was just a, a subpar, literally intermission style match. It just had no business being at the end of the show. It's completely ridiculous. And when you think about it, uh, apparently that match was... Uh, I think Pritchard said that initially there was talk of Bam Bam versus Nash. But then, because Bam Bam had just turned babyface and it started this new uh, babyface run, I think that was planned. But the fact that they went with that is is ridiculous. They And especially a tag team uh, main event, they, they should have gone all out and made it like a, a four-on-four or a fucking ten-man, something more gimmicky. Right. It, it's It's... That that's got to be pay per view wise uh, the low point of uh, the new generation era. Yeah. So if you look at ninety five, right, and Sid comes in around you know March, April before WrestleMania, or maybe February before WrestleMania. If you look at ninety five, had he been paired with Shawn Michaels instead of Diesel, you think Sid's ninety five looks a little different? A hundred percent. I mean, you think about the logic of it. Uh, Shawn Michaels had been back for over two months. The storyline was that he was injured the day after WrestleMania. He took a few weeks off, then he came back as a baby face. And now Shawn and Diesel are uh, baby face friends again. They fantastically named uh, Two Dudes with Attitude. The worst name ever. <laughs> the only thing worse than that is uh, wrestling with reality. <laughs> uh, the retro renegades. Oh, God. Why, why not call it AIDS assassination? The Retro AIDS, AIDS Association. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the fact that Shawn Michaels was now back and Sid was active and they still hadn't had their feud, which was supposed to happen at SummerSlam 95, which then was obviously changed to uh, Sid, uh, Shawn and Razor. Sid wasn't even on the fucking card. Should have wrestled Luger or whatever the fuck. Something. Just give me something. Yeah, the only, the only, I remember that at SummerSlam 95 because I'm a mark. 
that there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that was well storyline behind the scenes where Bulldog was shown turning up at the venue for no reason. Fucking uh, Sid was watching the Shawn Michaels versus Razor match, <laughs> didn't get involved for no reason, and you just think like this is this is fucking terrible. And whether it was Sid himself was causing the book because you always hear the stories that he's very difficult to deal with and would miss house shows, but it, it was almost like they were actively trying to bury him yeah. in '95 until. There's a match I remember seeing it on Raw in later '95. It was Sid versus Shaw, uh, Razor Ramon. Yeah, and that was the match where the one, two, three kid turned heel, and he uh, ended up becoming associated. But it was the kid and Sid, right? And they were fucking excellent. Yeah, great, great dynamic between the two. And uh, but I've always wondered why wouldn't you make that match? Sid, you know, gave Sid a run with the IC title because yeah, it sense. Yeah, because if we're in storyline world, if the kid knows that he's going to turn heel on Razor, why would he make it a non-title match? Right. And I just always thought that's a huge, huge missed opportunity. And not that I have anything wrong with it, but it leads to a one, two, three kid and Sid versus Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty feud, which Jannetty had new life coming back in 95, where he was probably having the best matches of his post rockers run. He's doing these high flying moves. He's very motivated. He's doing a great job, but they have a tag match at the probably, if you want to second it to the King of the Ring 95, the second worst pay-per-view on paper for them the december 95 they have a tag team match where yeah. sid's gone after that it's yeah that's it. over that that whole feud is done and sid is gone uh, but from what i've read i think it was, was supposed to be uh sid one two three kid we meant the challenge for the tag belts wrestling 12 but then all that shit happened but i don't know I, uh, in your house five i remember liking I haven't seen it in a long, long time. It's got that great Brad Hart versus Bulldog right, rematch. Right, but the buy rate sucked, and that's what was terrible oh. about it. They had to put the matches on regular television because the buy rate was so low for that show. And if you tune on the superstars, you'd see Mabel versus The Undertaker in a casket match. And then on Raw, they'd show Bulldog versus Owen because the buy rate was the worst they had had in company history. And they were like, well, we got to show this match to somebody. So they put it on television, but that's also, I mean, it's a famous show on paper. It's the last appearance of Dean Douglas. It's the, the bulldog Brett classic with all that blood all mm. splattered all over the ring. It's the blow off of Mabel versus the undertaker. It's a big show, but nobody watched it. I always felt that, that Sid should have uh, got the push that Mabel got. They should have hundred percent Sid would be the king of the ring and could do all that stuff. And, can you imagine how he would have looked standing on that throne with the size and holding the whatever the the scepter, whatever you call that? Yeah, shit. oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but not because he's white. <laughs> I mean, they don't know how much that had to do with it. But Sid then leaves in December '95, okay, mm -hmm. and pops up randomly back in July '96 when the Ultimate Warrior is fired. And replacing the Warrior in the six-man tag, Ahmed Johnson, Shawn Michaels, and then Sid versus Camp Cornette 
They reveal him on Raw. It was going up against the first couple of weeks of the NWO. They were getting slaughtered in the ratings. But now Sid's back. What do you remember about Sid coming back as a babyface? Uh, I remember Sid coming back as a babyface and that this was his best run as a as a wrestler. Uh, I don't know if it's because he works better as a babyface or he was more into the playing up to the crowd. Uh, this, like he said, in most of his '96 pay per view matches are great. You get what uh, the 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 six man at in your house. What is mm-hmm. it? Nine. Yeah, something like that. Nine. Which of course Hitler used to say for <laughs> no. Would you like to talk about Hitler more? But we'll move on. Hey, it's you know it's not Hitler declassified. It's new generation declassified. But you know you're the guest, so you talk about whatever you want. Not yet. Uh, and then what you get Sid versus Bulldog at uh, SummerSlam is a good match. Yep. I think yes. Then what Sid versus Vader? Sid versus Vader would be was that Mind Games or October? I think it was the one after. I don't think Sid's on the Mind Games pay per view in September. I think they go right to the Buried Alive. Sid is Sid Vader for the number one contendership for Survivor Series. Yeah. So. That stuff I loved, and uh, Sid had that unbelievable new... Well, no, that was still his heel music, wasn't it? The Psycho Sid? In in October? Yeah, yeah. I think he was in the tweener phase, kind of, at that point. But see, then with Sid, and he had that entrance with the, with the giant letters, you know, the that giant... Would, yeah, that was... If that came in in October, I know it was there in November, but I think it might have been October. Yeah, so uh, it was a really great run. and uh, But the thing about Sid, and I'm kind of skipping ahead, is that it, Summer, uh, Survivor Series 1996, which uh, I think is one of the greatest pay-per-views they've ever done. It's very good. Uh, the, if you go back and look at the lineup, they got some loser called Rocky Maivia joined. He went on to do nothing. He's Never. nobody. He's not secretly gay either. <clears throat> Hey, yeah, that man. was a rumor at the time. I'm not going to lie. That was a rumor. I remember back in the AOL chat room days, that was a rumor about the old Rocky Maivia that he might have been a little funny. Um, he's not funny in Baywatch. But, <laughs> he's not yeah, funny in his bank account either. Fuck me. But uh, at 1996 Survivor Series, the main event was Sid versus Shawn Michaels. And it's genuinely one of my favorite matches ever for so many reasons. It's well. First of all, the the action is really good. I take a sip of Guinness, sir. Cheers. Thank you. The the so the action is really good. The crowd is fucking marking out red hot like anything. Plus, you get to see a lot of the real Shawn Michaels at the time, where he starts to no sell right. certain moves and gets up to frown at the crowd. For yeah. cheering that he's getting hurt, uh, getting these moves done to him, while Sid at one point, and this is one of the most, <laughs> one of the craziest heel turns ever. He attacks what's it called Jose Lothario mm-hmm. with the camera. The, the the idea being that he's going to kill it, that he tried to kill him, <laughs> and the crowd's cheering it. They cheer him, yeah. This this old man's having a fucking heart attack at the side of the ring. I think they say cardiac moment. Uh, they say- can't say heart attack. See, and shot so, and the fans are going, Yes, so uh, Sean goes out to take care of his manager, make sure he's okay. Sid smacks him in the back of the head with the camera. The crowd goes nuts. 
power bombs him, the crowd goes nuts, uh, pins him one, two, three, and the crowd is like outrageously on their feet cheering. This, yeah. this guy almost tried to kill he someone. He tried to kill an old man. But that, that match, uh, I've rewatched that match dozens and dozens of times. That's that's one of the things. Like I wouldn't say that Sid's like one of the all time greats, but when he could go, he could fucking go. Yeah, I talked about it last week on New Generation Declassified with Man of Steel Mike Verna, who grew up in the New York area, and I grew up in the New York area. Shawn Michaels was hated in Madison yeah. Square Garden during his title reign. Before the title reign, people didn't mind him. He was cool. He was different. You could cheer him. Whatever. As a champion, the New York fans hated Shawn Michaels. Sid, black vest, black tights, coming in as a badass, taking on pretty boy Shawn Michaels. Uber, 100% over-the-moon babyface, could beat up an old man, use a camera to win, twice, mind you, use a camera to win, and he got the, the unbelievable, the Hogan-esque pop. That Madison Square Garden crowd loves Psycho Sid, but... Is that the nail in the coffin of Psycho Sid? Because the Madison Square Garden Madison Square Garden crowd loved him so much, and they weren't supposed to. They were supposed to boo him. Mm. Is that the nail in the coffin of Sid in the new generation? It, it is very weird because he's supposed to be a heel, and he was supposed to be a heel for the all the way up until WrestleMania. But people can't stop cheering for him, right? But one of the but Sid didn't do himself any favors because he's walking to the ring, fist bumping fans, right, going, right. "Who's the man? Yeah. Who's the man?" And and what's the name of that guy? The super fan who was all Vladimir. Vladimir. Yeah, that's the that guy marked the fuck out for Sid. Yes, he did more than anyone. He and and Sid. So Sid's meant to be this heel who's beating up unlike baby faces, mixing it up and high fiving kids. It's like, no, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> No, the Sid, the, the Sid phenomenon was there. And especially, like I said, in New York, they hated Shawn Michaels. It, it didn't matter where you were. He got booed out of the building. The mu- the minute the music hit, they booed his ass out. And Sid was completely different. And that powerbomb was so impactful. When he nailed Shawn Michaels with that powerbomb, that's it. Sid is cemented as the number one good guy, number one babyface. I remember being at a show in March 97. He got the biggest pop of the night. And he was still the world champ. He got it back from Brett at that point, but that's past our era, but that's fine. Um, Shawn Michaels, the perfect foil for Sid, but mm. did it come too late? And did they think, well, Sid's not going to have a long staying power as champ, so we got to pull him off, put the belt back on Shawn. But that, that is one of the problems is that like it's been common knowledge that that was not, you know, Sid was not supposed to have the long run with the belt. He like he was supposed to be what what do they call it transitional transitional champion, champion yep and uh, but the the thing is but I do remember that with Sid getting the belt because on the other channel as we mentioned earlier the NWO my favorite gimmick of all time was fucking killing it it was like every angle they did everything was memorable you couldn't stop talking about it, it and at so- this point they're doing Piper so November ninety six it's Piper Hogan again or Sid Shawn Michaels. Yeah, but at the time, Piper versus Hogan 2 seemed so cool. And the NWO was like, it was big, but it wasn't like 75 members. It was like six or seven members. And they were all, and everyone was getting a push. But I remember when this happened, uh, it was like, okay. Now, because the thing about Shawn Michaels is he may be the greatest wrestler ever, but the fact is he was not 
the the mega draw, and he was like sort of the corny shit that people didn't like from the early nineties, and now yeah. we want the NWO, like the 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 real guy, so to speak. And I think that that almost should have been, in hindsight, of course, uh, where they turned Sid face and Shawn Michaels turned heel. Yeah, I agree. No, that's really what it should have been. But there was no way. They had nobody left. They had to have Shawn Michaels as the baby face. They were going to build to Brett versus Shawn at WrestleMania 13. Well, obviously, we know that didn't happen. Somebody lost their smile, and that was the end of that. But Sid as a whole, so he comes in back to the WWF in February, March 95, up to when we say the new generation ends, when I say the Raw sign changes from the RAW to the Titantron. He's still a prominent guy. What do you give Sid as a whole during that time? He leaves once or twice. He's back, but he's always on a prominent spot. What do you give Sid as a grade for the new generation? Uh, in this year, by far, uh, this is Sid at his best. Uh, best matches, best promos. Fucking, uh, like when we go into the next pay per view, it was called the, the worst uh, title for a pay per Called In Your House, It's Time. It's time, yeah, terrible. Which was dumb because that's Vader's fucking catchphrase. Vader wasn't even on the card. <laughs> well, that SummerSlam match might have had something to do with that. Very, very possibly. And that's what we talked about last week with, with Man of Steel Mike Verna. Vader and Shawn Michaels, that match didn't click. Shawn Michaels clearly said, I can't work with this guy. You got to get him out of the main event picture. And it's almost like, well, who else do we have that could fill that spot? Oh, there's that blonde-headed guy over there that looks like a million bucks and has the great look. Well, we'll just make him the uh, the number one contender for you. He beats Vader. I think it was a choke slam, and then there he Sid's off to the races. But in your house, it's time. Yeah, Sid versus Bret Hart. Oh yeah, that really makes sense for the name of the pay per view. <laughs> yeah, makes you wonder though that had Warrior not gotten fired. Do you think that the Warrior would have been gotten Sid's push? That's a good point. So if the Warrior doesn't get fired in July, is the Warrior facing Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam and beating him, thus leading to, is it Warrior Mankind at September 96 Mind Games? Is it Warrior Vader at uh, Survivor Series? Like, where does this go if the Warrior decided, I'll just make my dates rather than, oh, my dad died and I, I'm so sad about it. I can't show up. Warrior versus Undertaker of WrestleMania. What could it have been? I mean, there was also a rumor, too, that Kurt Henning was supposed to get a title run at some point in 96-97. So you literally never know where this whole entire thing could have gone. Is Shawn Michaels dropping the belt to Mr. Perfect at Survivor Series or SummerSlam? That would have been great. There was a rumor. Do you remember the rumor about uh, Larry Henning had a poster that was promoting an indie event in Minnesota that build WWF champion Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, as being on the top of his card. I, I did not know that, but I can tell you that if you have the, the, the what do call it, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. Yes. And they start talking about he missed dates, advertised dates. It shows you a poster that says WWF champion, Ultimate Warrior, defending against Vader. Yeah, I believe so, it. Yeah, so like, and I, I really doubt that they would have brought Warrior back to not push him, or the Warrior would have demanded it that way. But uh, getting back on topic to Sid, the 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 match with Bret Hart, 
I don't remember the match so much, but one of the things I do remember is that at the time, Shawn Michaels was on commentary. Right. And he's dropping uh, shoot comments and insider uh, comments the whole time. It's actually quite amazing to watch, and you can see why he would be so disliked backstage because he's, like, he's making – like he calls said luggage and talks about having to carry him, which <laughs> is a wrestling term. That's great. And you and you just think, oh Christ! And Sean didn't even look sober at it. <laughs> and then, might, and then he might have had a couple of somas in there that might have influenced those comments. Very, very possibly. And then what happens at the end of the thing is that when Sean and Brad have a clash to, to you know to cause the said to win, uh, Brad Hart accidentally or not punches Shawn Michaels for real in the face and broke his nose. I believe it. And then and the pay-per-view ends with, with Shawn Michaels cutting a promo, nose bleeding into the camera. Vince cuts his mic off, and it's like, okay, wrestling's real. Who's going to tell me wrestling's fake? And that's what they can't duplicate in any sense now, is that these guys didn't like each other. They weren't just happy to be on the card. They weren't just happy to be on Monday Night Raw or AEW or SmackDown or wherever. These guys legit were jockeying for the position of I'm the top guy and y'all can fuck yourself if you think you are. And Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart legit played their their parts live on television that we would see explode, you know, ten months later. But to, to be fair, like we uh, we were, I think I was twelve at the time. So uh, I'm pretty sure if I watched it now, I'd be like this stupid shit. But at the time, I was like, oh, in your house, it's time. How cool. But uh, the sorry, the show was not very good. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to rewatch it possibly tonight when I'm drunk after the football. <laughs> but the uh, but I also remember, of course, that then started off Sid versus Shawn Michaels two for Royal Rumble. Yeah. Uh, anybody watching that? They they held that show in this giant stadium in Texas. It is massively massively undersold. Yeah. Like uh, it holds something like eighty thousand people. There, there, apparently there was only about 40,000 there. Right. Uh, apparently a lot of tickets were given away for free. But one of the things about this match that I remember so well is it was an episode of Raw. And I, as a kid, I thought, this is weird. And this is when I started becoming more aware of this stuff isn't real. Where Sid attacked Jose Lothario's son. Yeah, Pete. <laughs> yeah, and he was trying to powerbomb through a table. Yeah. But the table <laughs> wouldn't fucking break. So Sid's... Nope. Trying to powerbomb this kid three or four times to the point where Shawn Michaels just says "fuck it" and runs uh, runs backstage, and because it was so dumb, where Shawn's watching it on the screen of Sid picking him up and powerbomb him, he's going, "Oh no, oh no!" But uh, instead of doing anything, but he just stands there watching. But yeah, Rumble '97, not as good of a match, uh, but not a shit match. But do you think the Jose Lothario? inclusion kind of hurts the boy toy persona i'm the sexy boy i'm the guy that all the ladies want but i got my 60 year old uh, trainer here beside me and i i care about his son getting beat up while i'm in the middle of this death feud with this giant you know you think that kind of hurt him a little bit it was stupid because Shawn michaels was like in that era when you hear stuff about him in real life he sounded like a complete cunt uh so his real like real life anger was coming out, and even when he's supposed to be like a baby face, if he doesn't get the reaction he wants exactly from the crowd, he's like, "Oh, he, he's, he's like, pissed." 
Yeah, and he's annoyed at them, and you just think, like, fuck him. Like, he, he was a horrible baby face. That Amazing was the first rap. time I ever saw that happen. That was the first time you ever saw anybody kind of lose their spot. You know, like, you could see he was rattled by the reverse direction of the crowd. The crowd booed him, and he was legit rattled. And I think it's because he knew that the original plan was for him to drop the belt to Bret Hart. Right. But the whole the, a part of him was thinking, fuck this. Like, I don't want to, I want to be champion. I want to be the top guy. I don't want this taken away from me. And then uh, all that, I lost my smile, shit happened. And uh, what I have heard, because that was Thursday, Raw Thursday. Yeah. And who the, well, I love the, you know, the state events. What, what other title did you come up with? <laughs> Thursday uh, Night Raw, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Where was Sid versus Shawn Michaels supposed to happen on the the uh, the show? Sid uh, Shawn was going to beat Brett. Something to do with uh, Shawn was going to beat Sid. Something to do with Undertaker was getting involved. All this shit. It, it's such a mess. It was a horrible time to be a fan. I remember there was that pay per view. Was it called Final Four? Yeah, Bret Hart wins. Yeah, Bret Hart won it. Was Sid in that much? And that, uh, no, the final four is uh, Sid, Austin, Vader, Undertaker. Right. Uh, but I remember that event. Having Sid's the number sh- one contender. Yeah, I remember having the shittiest entrance ramp ever. It was literally like a, a it was superstar. Bar. It was the superstar's entrance. Yeah, it was terrible. It looked fucking solo budget while you flip over WCW. They've got this Pink Floyd style <laughs> entrance ramp for TV. And it's like, no, this is crap. But anyway. Uh, I mentioned earlier that my favorite uh, Sid match ever was Sid versus Sean at uh, Survivor Series. My second favorite Sid match of all time was the Raw before WrestleMania. It was Sid versus Bret Hart in the cage. Yes. I, the match itself is great, but it's the post-match stuff that if you're a mark and you don't 100% know wrestling's work, what happened after that match is so fucking unbelievable that it's like, this shit's real. Brad Hart is doing a post-match interview. He, he called, he said, this is bullshit into the microphone. Yep. And then he starts ranting backstage and he says, if you don't like it, tough shit. Then Sid comes back out again. He's <laughs> fucking, uh, uh, Brad Hart starts cutting like a shoot promo. He's like, you don't deserve that belt. You know I should be in the position. And of course, Sid says the classic line, I don't know. Oh, I don't know shit, shit cry, cry, baby. baby. It's like, <laughs> wow, you sure got him, Sidney. Uh, but it's amazing. And this brawl comes out and then Steve Austin runs out and attacks Sid and Undertaker attacks Steve Austin. as this four-way brawl. And it's like, oh, my God. Like It was um, unbelievable. Let me give you a little context. I was at the Madison Square Garden house show the night before that Raw. They did Sid versus Brett in a cage. Okay? They did the whole Brett goes over the side, Sid goes through the door, Sid wins. They did not do all the histrionics that happened the the next night on Raw. The next night on Raw, you literally just watched everything change, including Brett used the line... Undertaker, when you slam the door on my head, you slam the door on our friendship. You go, holy shit, Bret Hart's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He just called out the Undertaker. So much happens in that one night. It changed everything. But Sid's still the world champion. 
at that time. So does it overshadow Sid as the world champ? Before we wrap it up, does that overshadow Sid as the world champ that Bret Hart and Steve Austin and their feud overshadowed the Undertaker and Bret, uh, the Undertaker and Sid as the the championship match at WrestleMania? Uh, 100%. But the, the thing that I just find so fascinating is that Sid's run, when you look at the dates, he was the, the new generation era. Yeah. And as soon as he left, just before SummerSlam, that's when Attitude started. And Shawn Michaels turns heel and, and everything. But the, 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 of course, Sid then goes into WrestleMania, has that boring match with the Taker, stupid fucking idea. It was yeah, a man. terrible main event. Uh, Sid then took a little time off. I remember he was supposed to wrestle Bret Hart again, but of course, obviously, they went with Steve Austin because they happened to have the greatest fucking match in history at WrestleMania. <laughs> By accident. By accident. And But because of that match, I think that that was basically Sid's done. Yeah. Sid and Steve Austin, they're pretty much the same gimmick. They don't, uh, uh, Steve Austin's also selling more merch. Way, way more over by far better wrestler. Sid isn't necessary, so it was like time to move him down the card. And the last pay per view match I can remember him having was uh Sid and LOD against the Hard Foundation, mm-hmm. King of the Ring, King of the Ring, yep. And of course, Hard Foundation goes over, and uh, it was it was like it was not a fond farewell, it was like right bye. Yeah, that was it. Actually, I don't know if that was after he came out. Was that after he came out on the stage randomly to be a a, a random participant in the Steve Austin tag uh, uh, partner, uh, whatever you call it, search? I fucking remember that. When the Hart Foundation were all announcing, if I don't win at SummerSlam, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that was great. But, uh, yeah, like when Sid wasn't put on the uh, Canadian... Smart, what do you call that? Stadium Stampede. Yeah, when Sid wasn't put on that team, that's that's basically WWE's way of saying, right, there's five guys above you. You're done, and and then of course Shawn Michaels was then back active wrestling. He's likely making a few calls. It it was not uh, a fond farewell. No. But do you think just as we're wrapping up that Sid is uh, like he's inevitably Hall of Fame worthy? Oh yeah, without a doubt. But yeah. is, it, is he gonna is he gonna crack the uh you know the chairman's uh thoughts that day? <laughs> I, I think that Sid's one of these guys, a lot like uh Lex Luger, who's of course we did a previous episode on, he's got a documentary coming very, very soon to the network. I think this weekend actually. I think that Sid's one of these guys, he needs a documentary. Uh, obviously he did some pretty harsh shit. That's going to be hard for people to get over. Tried to kill fucking uh, Arn Anderson. Tried to paralyze Brian Pillman. But at the same time, it's fucking Sid Vicious, who you can find my interview with on my podcast, It's Usually Hello, on iTunes and Spreaker, and the video version on Huge Entertainment on YouTube. And if that's not the perfect way to end it, I don't know what it is because that's uh, that's the perfect way to end it. So your debate for Sid, you say he had a great run. Give me an A. Give me a letter grade, A to F. What do you say, Psycho Sid, new generation? Uh, B plus. 
I, I think that the, the great moments are fantastic. Sadly, there's not that many of them. But the Shawn Michaels match, that, that 97 run with Brad Hart, the, the promos, unfucking believable. I would agree. So I'm going to give him a B. I'm going to go a little bit under you. A little bit. I'm going to give him a B because he did leave. He wasn't there for the first two years, but he did have a great impact. And Sid was over in Madison Square Garden in New York. And to me, that's my area. That's all that matters. So nonetheless, Psycho Sid, new generation, B and B plus. Very fair. All right, Mr. Hughes, uh, Adam Husey, give the uh, the old listeners of the new generation declassified uh, all the information on where they can find you in the podcast world. It's called It's Husey Hello. It's usually a comedy interview show uh, from people from the world of well, pro wrestling. Upcoming Eric Bischoff will be on there. Uh, we've it's but also from the world of cinema, music, a lot of comedians. Uh, if anybody likes the comedian Mark Norman, he's uh, an upcoming guest. Or should I say it's already been recorded, but it'll be an upcoming episode. If you want to see the video version, check out Hughie Entertainment on YouTube. And if you want to hear wrestling be spoken about by the experts and lots of insight, check out Keeping It 100 Official on YouTube, where we are possibly going to cross. 16 million views today uh, and if not today tomorrow and then just release this a day later i only listen to it on youtube so does that help there you go well you're welcome that's i'm trying to do my part so if you want to follow me it's at chad emb on instagram and twitter my website is ibexclusives.com you can get all my autograph signing information there i got a lot of cool guests coming up this website is tmptempire.com. All the podcasts under the TMPT umbrella, including the Triple Threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas every single week on the Russo brand. And if you can't get enough of talking about Shane Douglas, I also do a podcast with Francine. You can catch that at Eyes Up Here. Oh! Oh, yeah. Eyes Up Here uh, is on Patreon, patreon.com slash Francine Podcast. The audio version of the main show was on the Creative Control Network, but don't be cheap. Get the Patreon. There's a much more better content for you to consume on the Patreon. You can do that there every single week. we got four shows for your liking. A lot of ECW talk if you're a fan of ECW. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen you sign up, so a little bit of heat. Yeah, so, uh, I hit wrestling. That's all right. We, we can forgive that. But uh, I appreciate you coming back for the third time in a couple of months. We'll see if we can get you back again, maybe four times. Uh, I don't know what we would talk about. We'll find out some uh, another random topic we could shoot the shit about on the airwaves here. But for the great Husey, this is your old buddy, the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.